Oi, oi, and welcome to the Orient Outlook podcast with myself, your bearded legend, sponsored this week by AJF Plastering. My good friend and my South Stand chum, who's done an unbelievable job while I've been away, is taking his own very well-deserved holiday. But fear not, everybody, you won't be listening to me for the next however long. I'm not alone this week. Making a return to the podcast following his debut at the end of last season... And joining me as co-host this week, it's the voice of Late Orient Commentary. Welcome back, Dave Victor. Dave, well, welcome. Well, thank you very much for welcoming back. And uh, I always listen and I always enjoy it. So thank you very much. You Brilliant. So, where do we start? So much has happened uh, yeah. over the summer. Well, I know where I'd like to start. Um, because this weekend, obviously, we lost Dave Knight. Um, and I think Dave was somebody that demonstrated the values of Late Orient. He was somebody that, uh, for whom the community was very important, so was family and so was friendship. And, um, you know, he did such great work for the club that he loved um, with the Orient here. Uh, I spoke to George Sessons a couple of weeks ago, uh, obviously looking back on his four and a half years at Late Orient, and I was asking him about the highlights. and, and and it was interesting. He thought one of the most important uh, periods was back in November 2016. And that was the protest. That was the joint protest with the late night supporters and the Blackpool supporters. And this weekend, uh, with the news of Dave Knight, it made me really think how important that was. Because up until then, we all knew in Leighton and Brisbane Road and in E10 about the plight of our football club. But people outside of our bubble weren't really aware until that joint protest. And Dave Knight, I'll never forget, in walking down Leighton High st- uh, Street with his um, um, uh, sort of megaphone, yeah. uh, save our football club. And there he was in the Coronation Gardens, sort of talking to everybody. But he spoke to me for BBC Radio London and there were lots of other media outlets. And for the first time, people understood that Leighton Knight were in trouble. And I think when you see where we have come so quickly, I think you have to say thank you to a lot of people, and particularly to Dave Knight. He had a a very important part to play in a a very significant chapter in Late Noyance history. He's going to be sorely missed. It's not going to be the same, um, because he's somebody that people might not necessarily know, but they would recognise him. And you only see the outpouring of uh, people appreciating uh, what Dave did for late night football club so thank you to, to Dave um, can I also say a, a thank you to Ross Embleton sure um, because I can't imagine how difficult this summer has been at late night and I think everyone has handled it very well indeed but Ross in particular I mean I know how grief affected me when I lost my dad and, and it, it takes a long time and it affected me physically you know, I felt lethargic and such like. And at that football club, there will be people that are grieving. You, you listen to Joby McEnough, he, he talks about losing a friend. There'll be young footballers, Dan Happy and Marvin Epiteto and others, who will have lost a father figure. Ross would have lost someone that was very close to him as well. And he has done an amazing job to have kept everybody as positive as they have done. And I don't think you can take that for granted. Just in terms of man management, real man management, of an incredibly difficult situation, of genuine emotions, Mm. you have to say, well done and thank you to Ross. I mean, um, 
I bought the non-league paper today. I think you did as well. By accident, my wife did, yeah. <laughs> but but let, let's, you know, I know Saturday I know a Saturday was disappointing, but Chesterfield are in the relegation zone. Hartlepool are six off the bottom. Wrexham aren't even in the playoff zone. We have come so far so quickly. After five games last season, which wasn't a bad season, was it? No. We'd won two games. We'd beaten Maidstone and we'd beaten Bournemouth. This season, five games, five league games, we've won two. We have beaten Cheltenham under unbelievably difficult circumstances. And what a day that was and what a victory that was. And we came back from behind to beat a very strong Mansfield town side. I think Mansfield have got three players that could walk into any side in League, uh, league Two. Uh, I think Danny Maynard is a very good player. Uh, Danny Nick, Rose is a very Nicky good player. Maynard. Nicky Maynard. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and Danny Rose is a very good player. And so too is Pierce. So I think they would walk into any side. And to come back the way we did, as strongly as we did, was, was fantastic. Mm. Um, four games in... Um, we've got Angol and Wilkinson scoring their first goals for the club. There was a chap called Macaulay Bond. It took him four games uh, to score his first goal. And by then, we were already four down at Bromley. And to be perfectly honest, no, I'm just careless, really. <laughs> didn't feel like much of consolation yeah. on, a, on a day that really humiliated everybody. I can't I remember uh, a, a match where... You know, I thought, gosh, this this was terrible. Losing 6-1 at Bromley. Bromley we have perfect, come yeah. so far so quickly. And Ross has played a big, big part in, in that. And, you know, he is the interim head coach. Uh, and I think he's done an incredible job in what he's done with the club. And thank you, Ross. Well said, Dave. Very well said indeed. So, um, Ross has been quite busy, and obviously along with... Joby and Danny and, and Martin Ling in terms of recruitment, people leaving and people coming. What are your views on those that have that have come in so far? We're five games in, as you say. Well, the remarkable thing about those two victories is they were achieved without probably the three most influential players of last season. No Joby McEnough. And you only look at the dip that we had last season. It coincided with the injury uh, to Joby. He's a key player. And we've lost a lot of goals in McCauley Bond and Josh Cromer. It was always going to take a time to, to settle new players in. Um, Josh White we knew all about, and he's neat and tidy, and he's a player that can sort of spot a, a pass, and he scored a couple of very important goals uh, for late night, and he's a good signing, there's no doubt about that one. Um, Connor Wilkinson looked impressive again late night, uh, last Christmas, didn't he, when he was playing for uh, uh, Dagenham. He's an interesting player because he can go wide, um, uh, again, George Sessions knows him well because of the time that he spent at Dagenham. And a bit like Dave Mooney, he's probably a player that late night supporters need to look after because his confidence is, is key. And if his confidence is high, he'll be a good player. Lee Angol, again, you look at it, his um, career at a, a reasonable level. He's scored goals, often early on in the clubs. There's been lots of changes in managers uh, for, for Lee and Goal, and it'll be interesting to see how things work out. I thought in the second half at Phil Mill there was a, a real understanding 
between Lee Angle and uh, Connor Wilkinson and for the first time we really started to see the best of uh, uh, Louis Dennis and uh, I think he's going to be a really good signing. It was interesting that Ross said he was disappointed that Portsmouth didn't release him earlier. He's clearly somebody they wanted right from the get-go and you can see why. Um, he didn't have the luxury of being with the team during the pre-season but he's a good player and I think uh, for the 20 minutes that, uh, on Saturday we saw that as well. I thought he was a lesser player after Sam Ling um, went off and I think Sam has had an excellent start to, to this season. Last year he was playing through injuries and sometimes he was playing with injuries and he was getting criticism which he really didn't deserve because he was playing because there weren't many other options. This season, up until Saturday, he's been injury-free. I think he broke his nose on, on Saturday. But he was really showing an understanding with Lewis Dennis. And I think when Sam Ling came off, um, Lewis Dennis didn't look the threat that he had been because Sam Ling was overlapping and they were finding each other and Sam was creating space uh, for Dennis. But um, that wasn't the reason we lost, um, but I think it was one of the reasons why we didn't see as much as Lewis Dennis in the second half. Very good, thank you, uh, Dave. And, and you know, we've—I think you probably pretty much summed it up. My next question, though, but we've played five games too early, really, to say how we're going to be. It's a marathon, not a sprint. But thoughts on on the season, just five games in so far. So far, so good. I mean, again, when you look at what's happened to the club during the summer, I think it's astonishing that we've achieved so much and we are yeah. where we are. Um, and again, we've got to be realistic. I listened to um, your podcast when you at the start of the season where would people expect us to be mid-table, upper mid-table pushing for the playoffs, I think that's what Ross is on record as saying it's a realistic ambition for this season I think that's absolutely right um, and yeah, steady as it goes it, it, it is a long way to go and, and I think it's a positive start um, only two points short of where we were this time last season in the National League. National League. And this is such a step forward. I'd give Simon O'Connor a lift, um, and he's the club photographer, as you know. And it's interesting because Simon says that the photographs that he's taken of the matches this season are so much better than last year. And that's because there's space between the players. And that's interesting. In the National League, it was so physical. And Simon used to moan and groan because he'd be looking at his uh, pictures on the way home. And there were just players sort of piling into each other. There were four or five players around the ball. And it was very difficult to get a good picture. And it's interesting from that perspective, the, 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 ups, you know, the fact that we've moved up a level. Because suddenly the pictures look better because you've got More one spares. or two players. So Amazing observation. Yeah, only Simon would see it. But you've got that little bit more space, that little bit more yeah. gap. And we're playing fitter teams. Last season, Matt Howard was coming off the bench and we're you know, making an impact against teams that were tired and often they were part-time players. Um, that's not the case now. We, it, it is a significantly higher level. It's interesting that there's only two teams in the league that are still unbeaten, aren't there, I think? Exeter, Exeter Newport County. Yeah, um, I think. And I think, again, that you better check that. That's from my memory, and you know, um, my memory's not what it used to be. Um, but I think it's going to be a very competitive league. Um, I can't see Scunthorpe United to be bottom of the table at the end of the, um, the campaign. Um, you know, Stevenage... Are, got incredible injury difficulties but it is it is a a, a league where um, I think there is just the yeah, two right. unbeaten sides yeah. which again after five games is incredible yeah 
you'd expect a few more, wouldn't you, typically? Would. Which yeah. suggests that, you know, what we did at Mansfield and what happened to us uh, on Saturday where we were two down and then we came back and then, of course, it was the, the other way around, um, it's going to happen because yeah. it is such a competitive league. It's such a, an open league. I'm enjoying it. Yeah, amazing. So much better. What a great piece of I don't want to buy in the non-league paper anymore. <laughs> Stop buying that I, I love non-league football, but late <laughs> it had nothing to do with non-league football. And we haven't even mentioned the fact that our summer was so short because of the FA, FA Trophy. Trophy yeah. Three weeks into we the We lost. Yeah. yeah, we lost three weeks of it, so they didn't have as much yeah. of a rest as the others. So I think where we are is astonishing. How's that? Under the circumstances. Yeah, absolutely. Couldn't agree with you more uh, and put so well. Dave, thank you very much. Dave, staying with us throughout the rest of this podcast and uh, we'll be certainly asking for your thoughts on uh, uh, as, as, we go, uh, as we go on. Um, as I mentioned at the top of the podcast, we are now sponsored by AJF Plastering, who are an Essex-based uh, plastering and rendering company. We're delighted to have Adam and the team on board with us here for the rest of this season. They cover all aspects of domestic and commercial work, specialising in silicone colour render systems. And the best part is that they offer 15% off for all Leighton Orient fans and staff. Uh, for more information and best plastering and rendering prices around, email ajfplasteringoutlook.com or visit AJF Plastering on Facebook, or go and have a look at, at Big Ads, A-D-Z, L-O-F-C, on Twitter. They put some wicked pictures up, actually. The, the, the finishes look absolutely stunning. Um, so thank you to Adam and the team, uh, and welcome aboard. Uh, supporters Club update this week. It's not too late to book for Salford. Coaches are leaving the ground at 8.30 on Saturday, the 31st of August. The adult fare is £36. £33 concessions and kids once again a half price. Um, it will cost you an additional £3 if you're not a member. Under 15s can travel for half price but must be with an adult. And remember folks that these prices do not include your match day ticket. And to book any of these trips you can do that in the supporters club or any trips for the support, uh, supporters club travel. Do it in the supporters club uh, or you can call the travel line on 07722. One three five nine seven zero. They've also had an inconsistent start to life in the higher level, haven't they? The supporters club. No, the support. No, Salford City. Oh, Salford. Yeah. <laughs> so the sports club continue to do a fantastic job. <laughs> they do. I was, uh, I was thinking of the early start on Saturday up to Salford. Yeah, um, absolutely. They drew two all. I think yesterday. yesterday. Um, they are currently fifteenth in the league, two below us. And a point below us with a zero goal difference. Yeah. So it'll be an interesting um, with all their match, yes. money and much made about how much Adam Rooney's earning and this one's earning yeah. and that one's earning. So odd, such an such an odd club. I mean, I, <laughs> uh, last season <laughs> we've had technical difficulties this year, and we'll talk about those no doubt later on. But last yeah. year the difficulties were because we're in non-league football, and uh, sometimes you have this thing called an ISDN point where you plug in your radio kit, um, and some of the clubs didn't have ISDN kits. Um, but even um, Bognor Regis had power. Um, Salford didn't have power in the press box. So if you were on an, um, trying to do your commentary on an iPhone, which isn't easy, you could probably, probably wouldn't get 90 minutes out of it. If, it, if the game hadn't been uh, live on BT and I plugged my extension and, and borrowed a club extension to, to plug into the generator for B, BT, I would have been in real trouble. They played um, Wrexham at Christmas. Um, Wrexham take their media very seriously because of BBC Radio Wales. They still didn't have power in the press box and they didn't tell anybody from Wrexham. It was a big deal for them. What a strange club. Strange club, yeah. Paying players several thousand pounds a week allegedly but no, can't get no a couple power. of PowerPoints. Yeah. 
Incredible. They're Incredible. not telling Wrexham when you know that they're going to come with so much media. There are three radio stations. Was it really? Yeah. Didn't even tell them. <laughs> Sounds like Boreham Wood a bit, doesn't it? There's nothing quite like Boreham Wood. <laughs> Just see the chairman complaining about why there's only 400 there. There is nowhere more miserable. I love football. I'd only go to Boreham Wood once. It's horrible. It, their, their attitude towards the media is just bizarre. Um, but actually, their attitude to everybody is not very nice. No. Maybe that's why he's only getting well, 407. I think so. I think, you know, you, the welcome that you get, you, you don't just go for the football, especially in the National League. You go because of the friendships. You go because of the buzz. You go because you think people are trying to do something here. I don't get that sense of Bournemouth. I think I think that sentiment is felt throughout football, actually. Um, moving on then, Leighton Orient Trust update. Thanks very much to Louise and the team uh, for this uh, update that we've got this week. Recently signed professionals Brendan Shabani and Hector Kiprianu joined around 50 young people participating in the Leighton Orient Trust football camp on Wednesday. The young people first had the chance to ask the players questions and afterwards the players joined in with a crossbar challenge and a penalty shootout against the young goalkeepers. Isn't the work we do in the community absolutely amazing? Isn't it astonishing? Incredible, the hub and such like. And it's, there's a danger that you take it for granted, but it is of such a high quality, and it is so important. It is so it, important. You're genuinely right there. But yeah. the, We read out purposely every week, they send us an update of what's been going on and how we'd have done it prior to Louise. Yeah. And just the amount that they get through... I had a lump in my throat on, at half-time watching... Uh, the children, you know, they were supporting Haven House uh, okay, children's, children's hospice, there, yeah. which is something I've, I've, I've known from many years ago, and um, yeah, it's, it's fantastic, absolutely fantastic. The club yeah. goes the extra mile so often. There's so much to be proud of at Late Night Football Club, and there's so much more about the O's than just what happens in those ninety minutes. Yeah, absolutely. There's a lot off the pitch compared yeah, to absolutely. you know uh, a lot of other clubs. Yeah, absolutely. Good point. Uh, and as uh, the, the, the update goes on to say, and as recent champions, the players also bought with them their National League trophy for the young people to see up close. I must say, when we did win it, I did get a chance to have a picture with it. And you think, oh, it's just a trophy. But actually, it is really quite... I did feel quite proud standing there holding that trophy, oh, having it, my picture taken. It is so important that we're in the Football League. It, you know, I can't imagine what a third year outside would, would have been... Imagine Wrexham then, 11 years. Oh, yeah, and, you know, Mansfield were four years out. And you look at Hartlepool and Chesterfield and where they are, and we came down with, with Hartlepool. Yeah. We really mustn't take for granted what has happened at our football club and what an incredible milestone it, it, it was to achieve. Yeah. Incredible, absolutely incredible, so quickly. What we've done in two years yeah. is what other teams haven't done look, in over a decade. Look back to November 2016. Look back to the 22nd of June 2017 and where we are now, it's amazing. Miles apart, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. And you feel for clubs like Bury and Bolton yeah. and, and, and those, uh, those, those that might you not do. actually have a club come... You uh, and come. you look at the optimism, you look at the, the strategic vision that um, um, Nigel and, and Kent have for late night. You look at the quality of our board, you look at the, the amount of investment, you look at the strategic planning that uh, Martin and, and Danny are doing, um, both on and off the pitch. There is a real structure, there is a real vision, and you get the sense that this is a club that is going forward, and it has dealt with such a tragic situation so well. And yeah, again, um, the Edinburgh Three, Justin Edinburgh Three Foundation, and the work that they that 
that has been achieved already. And isn't it wonderful? Still, clubs are, are making collections, and it, yeah. that, that's going to be a lasting legacy. And, and that's an important part of Lake Noy going forward. So, for Orient Hour, Steve and I were very honoured to interview Charlie, and um, he said that uh, they'd met with the National League chairman. And they'd said that for the opening home games for each club that they would hold a bucket collection yeah. for the J3. So not just the first week, but the second week as well, because obviously some clubs... Obviously and I listened to that and Charlie was amazing. He's incredible, very impressive yeah. young man. Very impressive guy. Um, okay, moving on then. As Dave mentioned earlier, um, I, I had a note to mention this anyway, but we were saddened to learn that we'd lost a member of the Orient family on Saturday the 24th of August. He was the first Leighton Orienteer editor and a Loft Committee member, a devoted Loft Committee member, uh, Dave Knight, um, tragically passed away. So uh, we send from the Orient Outlook podcast, um, all our friends uh, send to his family and friends uh, our sincere and deep condolences. Um, he will be greatly missed. Um, and we've got uh, Jonathan from, uh, from Loft coming on later, so uh, we'll, we'll, we'll speak about Dave a little bit later on then. So this is now the week that was. So just to quickly run through this. Um, on uh, Coulson Monday, the 19th of August, the club started the week off by announcing the loan signing of highly rated midfielder George Marsh from Tottenham Hotspur. Until January, Ross Embleton uh, said, I've been quoted before saying that any young players we bring in on loan, especially on their first loan experience, it's really important that we get the right character and a player suited to the level of football they're coming into. George and the way he is and the level of intensity and in how he works certainly gives him the opportunity to make this as a successful loan period for him and make a big impression uh, on us. Now, I don't really know anything about him, but I've heard good things about him. From the original Orient announcement, he's got good experience. They wrote up what he'd been involved in. He'd been involved in their pre-season tour. He'd done well against the Barcelona side. Um, and so from my perspective, um, obviously pleased. I trust in Ross and Danny and Joby and, and, uh, and Martin. Uh, that they would, uh, that they would, they would do, uh, do you know, bring the right player in. Feels like we're back, doesn't it? Because um, back in the football league and back taking players from top clubs. Yeah. And last couple of uh, loanees we've had from Spurs. Didn't work out too bad, did Not too bad. I think I did the first ever radio interview with uh, Harry Kane. Did you? And. Um, yeah, I must admit, he's, he's gone a lot better than and I thought he would. He's done all right, hasn't he? Yeah, I didn't see it he's when, done all right. when he no. first at the Orient. You know I agree. Yeah, uh, yeah, of the three that we had, I didn't... Uh, I thought Tommy Carroll would do better. Yeah, he wasn't probably physically strong enough, was he? But then... Lovely player. Luka Modric is a big. Was it... Uh, um, we had a, a winger that went off to Belgium, a mop. Paul Jose and Poku. Yes. I thought, I thought he was he the best of the lot. Yeah, best I agree. Lot. And he's but gone they, back what to... What do I know? Andrew Townsend, yeah. I would have had him on ahead of him all the time. Yeah. What do I know? <laughs> what do I know? There you go. Steve's comments on this, he said, when I told George Sessions on Sunday, uh, this is last week, that we'd been linked with him, George told Steve that he didn't think George would drop to League Two as he was too good. That has to be a good sign and he's played four times for Spurs in pre-season so he must be fairly decent. I'm looking so forward to seeing him. I can't wait to see him play actually. Um, I guess one of the questions that I had was where does he fit in the team? Whose place does he take? 
Well, we played a lot of games, and there will be injuries, and you know, we, um, there's no way that uh, Josh White and um, Gray Clay can play every game in the centre of midfield. Uh, there is a, a vacancy there. Um, Dale Gorman, it'll be interesting to see how he develops having had a full pre-season, because obviously last year, uh, he, I think he suffered a serious injury in April, of, um, didn't he? And uh, Did he didn't have a pre-season yeah. uh, at all. So it'll be interesting to see uh, how he develops. Um, he needs to be more consistent. Um, every now and then you get little flashes and you, Brilliant. Think you can yeah. see what it's all about. Yeah. Um, and then every other time, there are times when he seems to switch off, especially with tracking back. So it's Saturday. Right, OK. So George Marsh might be taking Dale Gorman's well, I don't know. Oh, no, gosh, no. 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 I, I think the four need to be there. Um, yeah. And I think you need four players for those... Uh, two positions. You know, there'll be yellow cards uh, for plenty of those players, won't there? And yeah, you know, um, George Marsh is an exciting player and a very able player. He wouldn't be with the Spurs under 23s if he isn't. And he will be a young man that'll be putting a little bit of competition for Craig Clay, Josh White, and Dale Gorman. And that's not a bad thing at all. Yeah, absolutely. So the main event on Tuesday was Mansfield away. And as the team were travelling up to Mansfield on a slip road joining the A12, as you probably all know what I'm about to say by now, kitman Ada Martin spotted a dog racing across the busy road. Parvo was his name and he darted in front of a truck which thankfully came to a halt, allowing Ada to run out called to his furry friend and pick him up with his tail wagon and eventually Parvo was returned to his owners. Would he bring us luck? Let's find out now. Do you have any thoughts on that, Dave? Bit of a bit of one for the uh, It's a wonderful story, isn't it? Media, it's isn't it? I did speak to Ross about it uh, afterwards and he was saying that he actually made the team a little bit late, didn't it? Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it, again, it just demonstrates late annoying, doing it in a late annoying way. It was a, a lovely thing to, <laughs> to have happened. I'd love to have seen Ada walking around uh, the, the A12 trying to find the dog. I don't think the owner actually knew um, that it had gone, had it? Because um, the dog was being looked after um, by somebody else. I think the owners were actually were aware. Way. Um, and I'm not even sure if they knew that the dog had gone. But there you go. Um, everything oh. ended very well. Happy in the end, which is fantastic. Well, the team it at Mansfield—it was all round, wasn't, wasn't it? Let's cover that now. Then the team lined up with Dean Brewer in goal, Ling Widdison, Ekpateta, Coulson, and Happy were at the back with Clay Brophy and right across the middle. Angle and Wilkinson uh, started for the Orient up top. Subs were Sergeant Gorman, Maguire, Drew, Judd. Dennis, Harold, I'm not used to reading out so many substitutes, uh, and new signing Marsh took the seventh space on the bench as Ross named an unchanged starting 11. I thought for me, a good starting 11 with threats in the side, uh, in the starting side, and also on the bench. But let's not be funny here. Mansfield won't be a pushover. Like you said earlier, they've got they, they've they got are good, good players. Team. They've in spent their team. a lot of money. They have, uh, you know, made a big fuss about Nicky Mayne. Did you see that? I did did you see that video? Was it a bit cringe? Oh, was it just me? So. We didn't do the same for um, uh, Connor Wilkinson. No. I'm sure he's very pleased. I'm sure Lee's not too uh, upset or Josh either <laughs> by that as well. Yeah, but there you go. If you haven't seen it, I'm not recommending it. But it yeah, is an don't interesting waste your time. Video, yeah, very interesting. It's there. Someone tried to be a bit too creative, I think. But anyway, let's not plug that anymore. Ollie underscore Sonnenfield uh, tweeted us and said, really hope I'm proved wrong, but would have gone 4-3-3 and played Dennis. David Matt Lloyd tweeted in saying, I for one am glad to see Ross sticking by his guns instead of bowing to fans' wishes of formation changes. Hopefully Brophy in the free roll can provide Ango and Wilco some more good balls in and hope they score them tonight. Uh, Bet R. Leighton never said, hope we get to see Marsh at some point. It'd be good to see what he offers. Social media has been dominated about formations. And I know I've, I've been covering the club for a very long time. I remember Frank Clark 
And uh, I can remember Frank Clark explaining that formations, just because you set up a particular way, doesn't mean that the formation means that you'll be positive or negative. That is mindset. That is about the players. And Frank used to talk about the pace. You, you can be very positive with um, five in defence. You can still be quite attack-minded. You can be quite defensive in a 4-4-2. Uh, the formation in itself doesn't mean to say how you're going to approach a match. Frank would say that it's all about the tempo. And Frank used to get really frustrated when the players weren't playing at the tempo that he wanted. And that was the, the, the phrase that he kept using. And I think this season, Leighton have looked at their strongest, regardless of the formation, when the tempo has been quicker. When we were uh, on top on Saturday, we were playing at a faster pace. In the second half at Mansfield, we were playing at a faster pace. I think against Stevenage, we looked impressive when we were playing at a faster pace. And that's what I would like to see, um, is us being more ambitious on the ball and playing at a, a quicker tempo. Because sometimes, I think we can be a little bit cautious. And the mindset would have been set towards the end of last season because we needed to be cautious. You know, a goalish draw at Solihull, a goalish draw against Braintree, that's what we needed. And we've got to go forward now. And it's not just about the formations. It is about the players' confidence, growing into the higher division and play at, an, at a quicker tempo. Absolutely. Absolutely agree. Um, well, we got off to a bad start against Mansfield, uh, conceding a penalty in just the 11th minute. Marvin Ekpiteta was judged to have fouled his man who had been played in by an excellent pass. Rowe stepped up and dispatched the penalty. Do you remember David Mooney? Yeah, of course. Um, he went if, down. If, if, a pl- if a defender was naive yeah. and made the slightest contact and allowed David Mooney to get a little bit in front of him, what would he do? Go down. And would any of the late noise sort of go, oh, well, I think that's a bit harsh. Don't, don't, don't give them don't the give penalty. Don't give them penalty, no. Both incidents reminded me of Dave Mooney, right. you know, because... Um, he's gone down with minimal contact. He's gone down, but the defender enabled well, it himself, to yeah, You know, the defender... Was a little naive, as Ross said on Saturday, that they were naive at Mansfield, in that they got the, allowed the player to get in front of them. I don't know why um, Joe made any sort of contact at all, because the, the player was going nowhere. He was right out on towards the edge of the... Was that the second penalty? The second one. Right. I don't see why there needed to be contact. Yeah. But as soon as you make the contact, you know, Dave Mooney would have gone... And, yeah. that's what and that's what that's they what do. To us. That's you know, exactly what they do. We've seen it go our way. We saw it go against us. But what was important was what happened at half time and what happened in the second half on Tuesday night. And it was impressive. We'll come to that. We'll come to that. Uh, we tried to get back into the game with a few efforts from set pieces, but none resulted in a goal. But crucial moment came in the 24th minute as we had a penalty shout turned down as Sam Ling was taken out as he crossed the ball in the box. And Sam Ling had a very good game again. Um, I think they also hit the post, didn't they, in the uh, first half from a, a free kick. Um, but what was interesting, I can't remember ever making a note about them going close in open play. Um, and I thought, other than the naivety, we defended quite well, um, which gave such an important platform um, to build on in the second half. And I think the changes that Ross made were, were the right ones. Okay. Well, four minutes later, in the 28th minute, Mansfield were awarded another penalty for a foul by Widdison, as you um, as you just mentioned. Rowe stepped up, sent Brill the wrong way uh, again. But I think you're right; he doesn't need to. If the guy's going away from goal, just let him go away. 
he's no threat to the goal and, and unfortunately Joe's been a bit possibly I don't know whether that was and I wondered, or... I wondered on Saturday um, I think for the, um, the first goal um, that was scored on, on Saturday by Crawley there seemed to be a number of opportunities to have made a tackle inside the penalty area, which we didn't do. And I don't know if that was because what happened on, on Tuesday. We seemed to have gone from one extreme to the scared, other. Yeah. We didn't want to touch a player uh, on Saturday, and we probably touched players when we shouldn't on Tuesday. <laughs> on Tuesday night. But there you go. It's, Can't easy. Get that balance, it's right. easy to play the game from the stands, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, 100% it is. Not much to talk about for the rest of the first half, uh, as that ended 2-0 to Manchester. A bit of a mountain... Uh, for us to climb and Les underscore Bristow tweeted in saying Orient are quickly learning how much better League 2 teams are and conning the officials he said as well well I'm not sure about conning the the officials I mean (coughs) taking advantage of naivety at the back I don't think it's about conning officials any more than Dave Mooney was conning every time he went down. And yeah. none of us have gone, oh, gosh. Dave, well, actually, some of us they probably did. were. But yeah. <laughs> they actually did. But, you know, that's what happened. You know, they, they, that's what football is. Um, and it happens on all levels. There's no VAR, thank goodness, in yeah, League Two. Absolutely. Stephen Orient said it was an awful 45, easily opened up and hardly created anything going forwards. We, not, we, we are not making any progress, it seems. 4,128 fans in, at Mansfield, 326 of those uh, were, the, uh, were the away end, and again, more significant following away Isn't on a Tuesday Isn't that amazing, um, the, the support, over 200 at Plymouth, yeah. are support away from home, and they are so positive. Uh, there seems to be more noise away from home, there's definitely less groans away from home. Right, it's, yeah, absolutely. One change at half-time saw Louis Dennis replace... Dan Happy, and we're going to fast forward this half to the 64th minute, and we pull a goal back through Connor Wilkinson. Ling did well to keep the ball in play after his initial cross was met by Ekpeteta's head. Uh, Dennis tried a bicycle kick, but his shot fell short, landed into the path of Wilkinson, who squeezed the shot home. Bit fortuitous, but goal's a goal. Yeah, Good goal. I Wilkinson was alert enough to turn it in. Yeah, I didn't see it as fortuitous. I thought, no? you know, as a player, big player, in the right place, right time. Game on. Goal. Lovely. Uh, we looked to capitalise on his goal and had a couple of chances which forced Mansfield into chances, two chances, good chances, changes, yeah? yeah, absolutely. Um, but then in the eighty, uh, sorry, in the seventy-eighth minute, cometh this seventy-eighth minute, cometh Lee Angle. Good pass from Wooderson to Wilkinson, who played in Angle. Great Swedish. understanding between those two. That was fantastic. That looked like a, that was a. Re- I saw the highlights. That yeah. looked like a really good pass yeah. as well. Yeah. And, you, you know, that doesn't happen overnight. You have to play with somebody competitively because I don't think that can happen on the, on the training ground. You, you can't sort of fake that. And there was a, an understanding because Wilkinson would have known where his colleague would have been yes. before he made that one. Yeah. It was good. Yeah, it was a good pass, that. It's quite exciting, isn't it, to talk about a front two that are connected. It and, is, it is. And yeah. being able to, to, to have that Something understanding. Something that we struggled to do last season. Yeah. You know, we we never really knew who Macaulay Bond's partner was, did we? No, no. Or whether or not they had an understanding yeah. as to whether or not who you know was Josh Cromer, they seemed to sort of understand each other and complement each other, but they weren't a partnership. No, no. Um, that must have been quite a relief amongst the Orient uh, faithful. Um, but they deserved it. And again, going back to Frank, Orient were playing at a much faster pace in the second half, showing far more ambition. So it probably catches the uh, the opposition out um, as well. 82nd minute, Angle and Woodleson are treated following a clash of heads and sadly Joe Woodleson isn't able to carry on. He was replaced by, by Dale Gorman and six minutes of time are added on. And in the second minute, Jordan Maguire-Drew replaced Connor Wilkinson. 
Uh, fifth minute of injury time then. Gorman broke up play and dispossessed Mansfield of the ball. His pass to Dennis was quickly turned wide, uh, out wide. Wright picked up the loose ball and fed Angle, who drove at goal and shoots. Dennis tapped, uh, his shot was saved and Dennis tapped towards goal. Hit JMD on the way in. Jam- Jordan didn't seem to remember, know too much about it, but took the goal quite happily. I called it, uh, well, I, I called it for Louis Dennis, so apologies to Jordan Maguire, Drew. Simon, I can't place you It was very interesting because he's never, because on the way home, he's got two little sets of photographs because you've got one end, you've got Louis Dennis celebrating as if he'd scored the goal, and then you've got Jordan Maguire, Drew celebrating as he scored the goal. And then we were looking on social, he said, who scored they? I said, I'm sure it was uh, Lewis. And uh, then we were looking at so, um, social media, and we really, it wasn't clear. Uh, some people were say, saying Dennis, and then it was Jordan Maguire Drew, and he's, he's, he's taking the goal. And, uh, you know, good football. It didn't really matter, did it? It was fantastic. And a booking that followed for Ross Hamilton celebrating with those supporters. And that picture of Ross being what looked like he was being picked up by the steward because the steward thought he was a fan. And Only after, at Orient. And afterwards he said, you know, the referee clearly doesn't understand what this means. And I think, again, it showed what it meant to Ross as a supporter, as somebody that, that cares so much about this football club. Absolutely. Um, now, had I been a bit more prepared, I would have had Ross's post-match um, interview already uh, uh, set up here. But uh, actually, I do have it. Um, we're going to play. Thanks to you for sending this to us. Uh, this is Ross Embleton um, post-match. Let's get that sorted out for you. There we go. Thanks for joining us. Congratulations. What a night. Incredible. Um, said a few weeks ago. I don't think this is going to work, is it? We haven't said a few weeks ago that the Cheltenham game was uh, one to remember and one to go down in history. I think um, that will certainly join it in my eyes. Let's um, talk about... There's so much to talk about. We have to start with the penalties, the two that were given and possibly the one that wasn't. That was what frustrated, uh, what frustrated me, Dave, was... Um, we highlight before the game from our perspective that the front players in there were clever and they get their bodies in the way and, and, and when I say go down easy that's no criticism they use their bodies well to, to win free kicks and, and fouls and I felt we were a little bit naive at times in, in terms of whether they were penalties whether they wasn't I haven't looked at them back yet because I've been too excited but um, it was the fact, the fact that we gave an opportunity to give a penalty so we'll look back at whether or not they actually were I was told that Joe Riddison's one the guy was you know, looked like he was sort of on the way out of the box and managed to get his feet tangled clever play to, to, to fool the referee if you like I thought our one was a penalty I've got to be honest I thought um, the answer I was given by the fourth official at the time was it was the player's momentum that brought him down so there lies your answer in my opinion but um, we didn't get it <laughs> I, can, I can smile about it at the moment but very frustrating because you know, we've given two penalties away, whether they were, whether they wasn't. But at the same time, we fully deserve one because it was a fantastic move and, and the answer I got from the referee suggested that it was a penalty. A real test of character after that. Yeah, we knew we was going to come here and it was going to be tough, Dave. It's a, it's a good club. They've got some very, very good players. Uh, it's going to be a you know, team that you know, obviously went, went well last year and they're going to be competitive again this season. So we knew it was going to be tough. Um, we set out with a bit of a game plan and I don't think we executed it early enough in the game You know, in terms of the things that we spoke about. And then obviously the naivety to give give the, the two penalties away felt like it was going to be a long night the substitution and the change of formation had the impact you wanted yeah certainly um, you know, I, I'm sure 2-0 down at half time away from home there's a number of players that you know, could have chosen to, to change it but the biggest thing you know, wasn't, a, wasn't a, 
an identification on, on particularly Dan's performance. It was more just for us to be able to go with a back four and allow us to attack with, with three midfield players and three strikers. So p- purely, uh, purely tactical. Psychologically, so important for those players to get their first goals for the club as well. Yeah, there's obviously been a fair bit made over the last you know couple of weeks on the fact that our front boys haven't haven't got any goals and we haven't got any goals. And I think I had conversations with a few people today about the fact that it's not solely down to the fact that the front players haven't scored goals. That's us collectively as a team. I felt we you know created and produced a number of opportunities at the weekend, and I'm sure the players that miss chances will be critical of themselves. But I know that we've got um, some fantastic strikers at this club, and I know if we keep putting the balls in the dangerous areas that we that we can and have started to in the last two games we know they're going to get on the go, on the score sheet Bruce Dennis really demonstrated what he's all about didn't he yeah it's been tough for Lou I said, I I've probably said to you already Dave that I felt sorry for him because really you know, Portsmouth held on to him a lot longer than we hoped and I'm sure Louis hoped over the summer and we felt that we, if we'd have got him in earlier we could have got him physically up to scratch a little bit more so we've had to be careful and dip him in but I think the front three uh, their athleticism their ability 1v1 the way they held the ball up and gave us a real platform to build attacks in the second Second half was uh, was fantastic, and Louis was one that demonstrated some you know some real quality. And in that second half, there's real evidence that uh, Lee and Girl and Connor Wilkinson had a real understanding. Yeah, very much so. And, I, and I, as I say, I think there's been glimpses and, and moments of it. I think you know certainly when you bring one striker into a club, it's it's very difficult for that person to settle. So to bring two or three is is always always a challenge. So I think we can see that they're all you know talented boys. And um, like you said, there was moments there today where where Lee and Connor linked up, and I, like so when Louis come on he, he, he combined with, with the pair of them as well as the, you know, the boys behind them you know, the fact that we got back into the game with a, with a front three suggests that the front players had a big impact which certainly they did but the rest of the team also gave them the opportunity to do that and Lee's first of the club came against his former club yeah he called it we walked out here tonight and I said to him I've been really pleased with your performance not before the game uh, I've been really pleased with your performances and don't let the fact that you haven't put one in the goal yet bog you down I believe in you and the goals I know the goals are going to come and he said to me it's going to come tonight Ross so I'm delighted for him delighted for the boys and, and, and you know, over the moon that he's got himself on the score sheet. But all the players in that second half, they worked so hard. Dean Brill was so often out the penalty area barking out the instructions. Yeah, and, and that's what that's what this team and this group and this club's been all about for a lengthy period of time now. You know, that's what got us through last season. Although there was a number of good performances, it was our team spirit and our collective and our, you know, our defensive structure that, that really give us the opportunity to go and, on and win the league last year. So we know that's there. Uh, you know, just frustrated for the boys in the first half that we... You know, gave gave Mansfield the opportunity to get a two-goal lead, and the big message at half-time is we've got to stop giving people or giving ourselves that mountain to climb. Fortunately, today they climbed it because they have got a very lively attack, haven't they? But in open play, they created very little. Very much so, and I, you know, I've been, you know, obviously Macclesfield was very disappointing. I said to you when we when we lost to Plymouth, I felt we were beat by the better team on the night. Um, but otherwise, I've been fairly pleased with the way that we spin set up and the way that we've we've defended. Um, bit of a concern that we've. You know, on a number of occasions, nearly given away even more penalties, which is something we've got we've got to look at. But um, we've stepped up a level this season already. We've shown a good attitude and a good way of going about it. And and uh, you know, today's another huge step forward. It was a dramatic end. There was over 300 fans, and you joined them at the I end. I did on a couple of occasions. Yeah. I uh, said to the referee, "You've obviously never been involved in a comeback before, because if you're booking me for celebrating like that, then you don't know. You probably never never experienced anything like it." Um,
um, forgot myself. Um, but I've got no shame in that. I, I suppose I'll, I'll have to take the yellow card on the gin and to go and celebrate with them supporters who fantastically backed us. You know, towards the end of the first half, we all were concerned. I'm sure they were, and I'm sure everybody in the stands that were watching us were com- concerned as to what the second half was going to look like. We felt exactly the same. But they backed us, they stayed with us, and we gave them that encouragement as in the second half. I think I said to you at the weekend, it's we take we have to, we have a responsibility to give them people the chance to back us, the chance to get on and support us and, and make some noise and, to, and tonight we've done it and they've, and they've, they've repaid us every penny. Bruising game, any injuries? Not that I've um, noticed on the way out. Um, there's been nothing glaring. We've got obviously, we've had a brutal couple of weeks, Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday, Tuesday. Obviously we're going to go again on at the weekend. So there's, there's players that are you know, nursing some uh, achy legs, but it's our responsibility to help them recover and, and be ready for the weekend. You're going to have some selection problems now for Saturday, Crawley. Yeah, certainly. And um, I'll try and have a good night's sleep tonight and then uh, start to worry about those tomorrow. We've got a very good squad here, Dave, and I'm, I'm, you know, unfortunately for, for Ruel, young young lad trying to find his way in the game, he, he's missed out, but you know, he, he shows a good attitude every day. Tonight it was James Alabi's turn, but it's, um, it's something that I've got to embrace and something that I'll be ready to do for the weekend. It was a very special night. It was a very special day. You even saved a dog on the way up. <laughs> I wasn't part of that. I'm not gonna, I, I nearly run one over myself on the way into the Marriott. <laughs> this morning it, it ran out in the middle of the road and I managed to avoid it and then I got the call to say that Ada had, uh, Ada had saved the day so we, we, we have to actually left late which I wasn't overly pleased about because we had to wait another 15-20 minutes for the, uh, for the owner or the, the, dog? Yeah, for the owner or the protector to come around and, and save it so it's been a, certainly a, an eventful day that, uh, like I said right at the beginning it's one that we're all going to remember an amazing day a fantastic night well done Ross thank you very much Cheers. thank you the bit that I thought was interesting in that interview was um, when he mentioned Raw Soterio, because mm-hmm. uh, he wasn't in the squad, he wasn't on the bench. And that reminded me of Justin Edinburgh, because Justin's the, only, the first manager that I've ever interviewed that would talk about players that weren't involved. He would, he would talk about Alex Lawless, for example, and how hard he'd been training, and he ensured that he never forgot that it's about the squad, and he always talked about the squad and not the team. And, you know, full credit to us. That's amazing, yeah, absolutely. So, only four games in at this point, still early days, but with that win, it meant that we jumped up to ninth place and took seven points uh, from 12. Full league table roundup after the Crawley game. And for me, just my views, what a comeback. What a great result for everyone at the club. And perhaps this will help some of our fans gain a bit of, bit more perspective as we're only four league games in. At half-time, you think the mountain to climb is too high. Uh, and just to get, and that's just to get a point from the game. Never mind a win, but the mental grit, the determination uh, that's needed to complete turnarounds like this, and uh, we saw that uh, from the team tonight. And finally, it's good to get two of our new strikers getting off the mark. Paul Brush was right. Two goal lead is often a difficult one. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, I hard, think that was it? when he was talking to annoying at a two goal lead. <laughs> when we had a two goal lead. Um, we had an overwhelming amount of tweets that came in, so thanks to everybody on social media who uh, tweeted us and got in touch with us. Again, we try to read out as many as we possibly can, but uh, it's not possible. And just because we read them, it doesn't mean that we agree with them. And Boatsy starts us off this week, says, Wow, wow, what a great comeback. 3-2 away at half-time. I was fearing a cricket score, but well done to Ross, Danny and Joby for making the formation change, which gave us more of an attacking threat. We need to build on this result going into future games. Matty LOFC Evans said, two dodgy decisions nearly ruined the game. Their second penalty and our lack of one in the first half. 
but you can't beat a last-minute winner. Louis Dennis in the formation second half gave us a second wind. These need to stay, and the unbeaten run goes on. My argument there would have been the one that we didn't get. I mean, I think you can understand why the referee would have given the decisions that he did, not agreeing with them, but you can understand why he would give them. Couldn't understand why Sam Ling, using that criteria, didn't get a penalty. Penalty, yeah, absolutely. Timothy James, C12, said, Over the moon, call me pessimistic. I did not think we'd come back, let alone win from 2-0 down. Massive respect for the team and the management. Fantastic. Um, yeah, Mac- one of those nights you'll never forget. No, absolutely. Yeah, it's a shame we can't all be there. Maka Coleman, seventy-three, tweeted in saying to those fans who said Ross doesn't have a plan B. There's an emoji that I'm not going to uh, interpret. It says get in the O's. What a forty-five uh, by Dennis Ingleland, twenty ten, said the best tenner ever spent. What a second half performance. We could have crumbled at two down, but they never gave up. Credit to Ross Embleton for changing it. Dennis was man of the match for me. And Gold Wilkinson link-up play looking good as well. So other people noticing uh, the link-up and the connection yeah. with uh, Angle and And we saw it on Saturday as well, didn't we? Yes, yes. Um, Daniela Graham tweeted in saying, one of the best things about us last season was our perseverance. Glad to see the team able to keep their heads up and come back. Tony Wu, 6809658. Really catchy Twitter handle, that one. Sensational. The team can see that Angle and Wilkinson are starting to develop that telepathy that all class pairs have. Dennis looks a class act. The rest of the team played to their strengths in one of the best second-half performances I've ever seen, period. And it is going to be difficult with Brophy, Maguire, Drew and Dennis, you know, to get... Dayton. Them all, and Dayton as well when come he comes back. back. And Joby when it's he comes fantastic. back. fantastic. There is real competition. For, overwhelming amount for, of people. Yeah, it's really exciting. Big Ads LOFC tweeted in and said, this is the Orient we're used to. We showed resilience and determination. Used to. Not all the time. <laughs> and most of all, showed the desire to fight. Well done, Ross and the boys. On to the next game. I think it was probably last season that he was probably referring to there. Matt Harold's ZN said 100% was criticising the team at half-time, but they came out like a different one. Delighted for Wilkinson and Angle. Dennis made the difference. Reoccurring theme here. JMD with the winner. Going back to getting used to, what was important last season was the way that Late Night came back from defeat. Yeah. Uh, I think there was only one occasion when we had back-to-back defeats, wasn't it? It was Salford and Ebsfleet, I think. Your memory's better um, than mine. But to come back after a difficult one of results, yeah. and really difficult, yeah. where Macclesfield was a poor performance as well as a bad result, um, Plymouth was a real lesson. Stevenage was really frustrating. To come back from two down in that context is remarkable. Yeah. Absolutely. It's, it's, it'd be remarkable at any club to yeah. do that. Um, Johnny Epper said, so, so, so happy for Ross. This early on, he didn't need it. Uh, he didn't need to in my book, but he's just proved his mettle. Love JE, but clearly not the only member of the coaching team capable of delivering a rousing half-time speech. Great to see the talented new boys get off the mark. Sterling Workos. Masters underscore James D said, said on Saturday, though frustrating as it was, that if we create that number of chances, we will score goals. To come back from two down shows huge character and resilience. The players should be hugely proud. Delighted for Ross. That will give him a huge lift onto the next one. And there's leadership on that pitch. We also have to say about the captain, uh, Josh Corson, and Dean Brill, because Dean was often out that penalty area. He does look like an old-fashioned rush goalkeeper sometimes because he's out there barking out the instructions and you can see his coaching hat on. Um, so there's a real leadership on and off the pitch. Which is what you need, which lesser teams lack. Yeah. 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 
And it was a big part of last season's success. Yeah, absolutely. And AG underscore 19 underscore LOFC said, even at two down, I thought the boys were playing well and the scoreline wasn't a reflection of the first half. And in the second half, the subs were spot on from Ross and the boys. Kept plugging away. What a win. Hashtag Ross the boss. Essex Biz said, what can I say? Some fans have questioned if Ross is good enough. And even if he wants the job, well, I think he silenced any critics tonight with a tactical masterclass in the second half. Oh, and ended up in the away end after the goal. Congrats to the management and the players. And D. David Yu, interestingly, from a Mansfield forum said, uh, this is someone of Mansfield, saying, throughout the second half, Orient's management team were 100% on it. They were interacting with their players and made subs at the right time. By comparison, our technical area were two blokes pretending to be statues. I don't think they could quite understand what had happened. They, they, you know, their side was so much in control, uh, and the change for the O's, both tactically but also in terms of psychologically, and the way in which they really went for Mansfield. And, and, and that's why, again, I don't think it's necessarily just about the formation. We've got players that, when they take on people, can get past them. Maguire Drew can, James Brophy can, Dennis, Dennis can. can. Yeah. And it doesn't matter what level you're at... That's what you've got to do. It doesn't yeah. matter what formation you, you, you're playing. That's what you've got to do. You've got to show that ambition, show that courage, take on the man, and then things will happen. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Alpha 2 underscore O underscore Mega said, An entertaining game for sure, but a 2-1 we looked certain to win, but just couldn't convert our chances. Pushing so hard then left us exposed, and a couple of errors led to our downfall. We missed Ling and Wooderson. Unlike others, I put no blame on Nick Pateta, who played well. I might have accidentally put that in the wrong... Yeah, I think I've put that in Mansfield's, but that should have been in today's. My bad. Anyway, final word this week goes to Charlie Paul, underscore Paul, who says, Ross has taken some sticks so far this season, but tonight he was superb. Changed the formation, made the right subs, and won us the game. Well done, Ross. So that's Mansfield covered. The Prediction League update. Well done to Lee Boyce 23 who predicted 3-2. He gets three points. Alan Reeves, 2 and CM Oriental, who predicted 3-2, and a scorer get four points. George Gertz predicted 3-2 and two scorers, so he gets five points, which is really impressive. There's a full prediction league roundup at the end of the podcast. Um, nothing happened uh, on Wednesday, so there's nothing to report there. Uh, but then on Thursday, the 22nd um, of August, uh, the GCSE results were out. Um, Dave, you're a teacher. Is that, that's obviously... Um, well, mine's a, a special day. school, so um, we, we always have a 100% return. I have to do a return every year, um, but we're always 100%. We never have. We've had, actually, we've had one young man that uh, got a GCSE, uh, which for a school for children with uh, severe learning difficulties is something we're very proud of. He got, okay. a, he got um, a D grade in uh, fine art. But um, uh, yes, well done to everybody that uh, did their GCSEs. Uh, I know exactly how it goes. Fantastic. Um, so... From us here at the Orient Outlook podcast, um, we hope that you got um, everyone got the results that they wanted or needed, and, and we wish you the very best uh, of luck in your future career choices. Now, the club announced it has set up representative a representative supporters group, as the club feels it's in the best interest of the club to receive a variety of voices when collating feedback on club issues. The first meeting will be held on Monday the 16th of September at 7pm at the club and any supporter interested in the five open spaces should apply to the supporters liaison officer who is Karen Harrison and her email address is k.harrison, that's two R's uh, and one S, 
So that's H-A-R-R-I-S-O-N at LeightonOrient.net. Now, somebody who was instrumental in setting uh, this group, or not instrumental, but someone who played a big part um, in, uh, in, 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 uh, in this is uh, joining us live on the phone now. So we're going to understand a bit more about this. It's Loft Secretary and Webmaster Extraordinaire, I've been told to call him. <laughs> not by me. <laughs> um, Jonathan Kay. Jonathan, welcome. Very, uh, uh, very warm welcome to you. Uh, and sorry, we're a little bit later than, than I told you uh, earlier today, but welcome uh, to the Orient Outlook uh, podcast. Um, I guess. No problem at all, and, and, and thank you for having me on. Pleasure. Um, I guess, obviously, we, we spoke about it earlier on um, in the podcast, and I think it's probably only right that we, uh, we start with. Um, the uh, the uh, the sad loss of of uh, of loft committee member Dave Knight. Yeah, that's absolutely right. I mean, all of us on the on the loft board are really devastated to to hear of his uh, sad passing yesterday. When when the news broke, I think it was sort of just before, just after the start of yesterday's game. Um, Dave was only on the loft board. It, it felt like a really long time, many many years. I look back, and it was actually only around four years ago that he, he put himself forward. But he was someone who you'd felt had always been around. A load of people knew him, and I can't begin to say how much he influenced us all on the loft loft board. Uh, his was always a voice of reason and calmness, particularly at the uh, the various meetings we held in 2017 which you know a lot of emotions people were getting quite upset at what was going on with the club at that time um he was a massive part in the joint protest march that was held with orient and blackpool fans uh which did it did an awful lot to bring a publicity to what was going on at the club at a time when you know it wasn't really being mentioned a lot in in the uh, in the media um, and he was also part of the uh, initial work around what started off as a, as a supporter director after the club takeover, and we'll come on to that in a bit. Um, because everyone knew him, he was like a—he was almost like a bridge between the loft and the supporters club committee members. I mean, you know, we, a lot of us know each other, but because he was so well known in, this, in the supporters club, he went in there all the time. Because he was, you know. Uh, well established on the loft board he was, he was like that sort of bridge between the two of us and again he, he spoke a, a lot of sense in those discussions um, supporter representation was something he felt was very important you just have to look back at everything he did as orienteer editor and, and beyond um, and in his last email to the rest of the board uh, before the just before the Stevenage game uh, I'm glad he got to see that this work we'd done was coming to a conclusion and he, and he, he was expressing his, his pleasure that, that we'd reached a conclusion and they're just waiting to be announced. So you were also, as I mentioned earlier, heavily involved in, in sort of getting this set up. So tell us a little bit more about that, how and why it's come about and I guess sort of why it's taken so long to be, you know, a, mm. a, formal, a formal thing, event, if you like. Yeah, it's, it's been going on for pretty much to the day that the, the club was taken over which you know way back in in june 2017 the, the 22nd of june that day we all celebrate now as as orient's day it was saved um those with long memories will remember that there was a pledge in the takeover announcement by nigel travis that there'd be a fan on the board um and then a week after when he was paying a trip 
uh, flying visit it was to the club. It was you know in and out in a day. Held a load of meetings with all sorts of stakeholders like the local council and Barry Hearn as landlord and all of that. Um, one of those meetings was with a group of Lofton supporters club committee members, which I was at. As I say, Dave Knight was at, David Dodd, uh, Kevin was there as SLO. In the, it was basically to say. We got our club back. Thanks for everything Loft did. Thanks for everything the supporters club did, and that all you can do, you continue to do as as involved fans of, of the club. Um, we said there'll be a fan on the board. We want Loft and the supporters club to basically go away, sort it out, take your time. We're not in a rush. Um, so that's what we did. We those of us who were at that meeting immediately sort of said, right, let's let's have a chat about this. We formed a a working party, I think, was a phrase we one of us came up with in the end. Just it met uh, several times over a, a few months, a lot of meeting, a lot of emails, rather a few meetings, and we came up with a proposal as to how an elected supporter director might work around, you know, things like elections and accountability to the to the fan base and things like that. And it's worth saying here that there are supporter directors that something like last time I looked, it was about fifteen or sixteen other clubs in the top five English divisions and and all of them are elected or nominated by a fans group of some sort whether it's a supporters trust like Loft whether it's a supporters club or you know whatever so you know what we were proposing wasn't anything unusual or bizarre it was quite um, I wouldn't say common because it's, it's not a, the majority of clubs certainly but the clubs that have them it's well established that you use your fan membership organisations to to organise it and to, and to sort it out. Um, so after that, the club obviously had a lot on its plate in the first sort of six months or so as, as a new ownership, you know, getting getting the club re-established as a business as much as anything else. You know, it's, it's well uh, disclosed now how little there was of the club left when they took over. So, you know, things didn't really sort of move forward until we got into 2018. Uh, and there was a, an extended period of sort of toing and froing between the club and ourselves as a, as a fans working party over a number of issues like confidentiality, how it would represent the whole fan base and not just Loft members and supporters club members, um, and various other things as well. I mean, things we brought up around data protection because if you then if you're having some sort of election process that goes beyond the two membership organisations how do you make that work and stay within the law on, on data protection so we were getting to a point around about sort of this time last year-ish that the what was coming up as a proposed election process was evolving into something actually quite complex to try and cover all those things around covering as much of the fan base as possible uh, and as I say particularly because of data protection laws it would have been it would have been a nightmare to organize and it was looking more and more as though we couldn't do it because of you know we don't have access to for example season ticket holders details things like that you know we, we don't have the rights legally to, to have those details so how could we organize an election and it was getting further from our perspective, it was getting further and further away from established best practice at other clubs. So basically, about halfway through last season, um, we had a meeting with Nigel Travis and I think uh, Danny Macklin was there as well. And basically, uh, to sum it up, 
It was as Nigel and Ken said to you when they came on to your podcast in February, I think it was, um, and you asked them about this, how it was going on, mm. and they basically said, we've moved the goalpost. That was the exact phrase um, I think Nigel used. You know, the, the, what Nigel said to us is exactly what he said um, on the podcast. It wasn't any different. It was basically their view was now they're, they're moving the goalposts and they think that it would be better to have a representative group of some sort that meets with the board. And that's a key point there I'll come back to. That meets with the board and has that ability to talk about governance issues, you know, the sorts of things that a supporter director would have been there to look at had there been one, but with a wider range of voices, so not just representing Lofton the Supporters Club, but the wider fan base as well. Um, and it, to be honest, it would have, we would have sort of launched it earlier, I think. You know, we, we sort of, when, when Nigel and Kent came on to you in February, we were at that process where we pretty much tied it all up and sort of come to a sort of settled view as to, you know, how many people, how many times a year and so forth. Mm. Uh, but the club, it, and I think it was good, it was probably going to launch around March time, but you know, the club then felt that, well, you know, what well, we're a club that's we're going, we're going to Wembley soon for the FA Trophy final. Uh, we're really focusing on, on promotion. This is really massive for the club, particularly for the academy, if we get promotion. So we're putting all our efforts into that. So let's let's have the announcement in the summer instead. So the announcement probably would have happened in the close season, but then you know the terrible situation with Justin Edinburgh knocked everything out of the park as far as the club was concerned, mm. uh, and obviously for fans as well. You know it's, it's been a, a terrible period of mourning and grieving, and you know I think that's still probably going on to a to a greater or lesser extent. So that's why it, it's it's then it got pushed back again to. To where we are now, to launching it at the the end of August, so it would it would have happened, it would have been announced as a national league club had had the club not been really putting everything into, you know, focus on what's happening on the pitch, focus on getting promotion, and that's where we are. Okay, so um, from a perspective of um, Danny Macklin doing um, the fans forum groups last year does this change in any way or, or is it literally similar but just sort of coming under this umbrella of what the pledge that Nigel had, had made at the, at, the st- at the start of his tenure as owner of the chairman of the club so the whole purpose of this representative group is to fulfil the pledge around representation at or with the board Right. Okay. so I, I don't know what else Danny and and then with the, with his people like Dave Toyn and the marketing side of the club will want to do during the season in terms of talking about the things that were covered in the uh, the focus groups last year. Okay. Um, but the, you know, the, the biggest difference between this group and those sorts of meetings and and the old fans forums that they used to be uh, when Barry Hearn was chairman, those were with the CEO, who was Matt Porter then. And, you know, the, the focus groups have been with Danny and with the marketing side of the club. Yeah. And th- those those things were, were broadly similar in that they they were around operational matters, um, you know, the, the day-to-day experience for fans, things like safety. Um, as, as used to be joked by some on the forums, it was always about bovril lids and hand dryers, you know, that, that sort of thing. <laughs> um, whereas 
the, the point of this group is for there to be a liaison between a group of fans and the club board. Okay. So the the actual you know the word if you look at the wording of it, there's a commitment there from the club for at least two club board members to be present at these meetings. Um, and it also what what we've come up with, and this is something that I was very keen to sort of focus on, is to go beyond the minimum that the club has to do to fulfil EFL rules. Because since we got relegated, um, the EFL, EFL brought in some rules around uh, engagement with supporters. And it's fairly easy to meet those minimum standards. If, if you have, In fact, if you have an evening with Nigel and Kent twice a year that anyone can go to, you know, whether it's 50, 100, whatever... Sounds like that, that fulfills that, it, yeah. Yeah, that, that, that would fulfil it, because if it's open to all, then that fulfils the minimum criteria. Okay. Um, so that's the, that's probably the the biggest difference uh, in terms of those sorts of things. But there there is one other difference as well, and that's around accessibility because um, the old fans forums could sometimes be perceived as a bit of a closed shop. Yeah. Uh, in that it was generally the same people that went along. You know, Loft always went along, the supporters club, and you know, several others as well. Fanzine editors and like you know. So it, it was it was seen sometimes as being well, you know, if you if you're not perceived as being you know the right sort of fan you don't get to go along even if that wasn't the case Mm. that's how it was perceived whereas the proposal we've all signed up to is that any supporter regardless of who they are how many games they go to any other personal characteristic like ethnicity disability you know whatever they can put themselves forward to attend one of these meetings and as time goes on and as these meetings are held more and more, you know, more and more fans will get to go to one of these meetings because those who haven't been before will get priority and will get first call for the for the open places. So, given that one of the pledges and and, uh, and how Nigel and Kent are and and with the obviously social media and how accessible Matt Porter is and Nigel and Ken and and. Um, Danny Macklin and, and so on, how accessible they are these days on social media and actually to their great credit, how responsive they are when somebody messages a question. You know, we've had uh, a number of tr- uh, issues with the streaming and the, and the commentary that Dave does um, and, you know, Danny's on it, Elliot's on that side of things but then also, you know, you can tweet Kent, their email addresses are pretty, you know, known, well, they're, you know, they're pretty much well known by everybody. What yeah. what um, what's expected from these meetings that perhaps we're not already getting? And as you said earlier, actually, Kent does these sort of meet meet me in this in in, in the bar in Leighton. He did that um, yeah. fairly recently as well. So, what what's this doing that I guess we're not all, already getting? Well, it's 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 adding to that. I mean, all of these things are great, and as you say, it is to the credit of. Um, Nigel and Kent and, and Danny and Matt Porter and everyone else, as you say, who's, you know, they, they are, they've seen how the club operated in the past and in with the last owner and obviously are doing everything they can to be the complete opposite of that and are doing a, a yeah. great job of that. What this adds to it is it's a structured dialogue between a group of fans and, you know, I'm, I'm going to 
say it obviously here, it means a, a group of fans that includes representation by the two supporters' organisations with the supporters' club and loft. So, okay, you can you can have a lot of in, one-to-one interactions, but you can add to that by having interaction between the club board and uh, a representative group of fans that at the same time includes people who can just apply individually to go along, but it also includes representation from the uh, supporters' groups. And uh, the other thing about that is it's actually something that Kent alluded to when he came on that podcast with Nigel with yourselves in February. He said that, you know, and this is absolutely right, that one of the main asks from the fan side of these discussions is to be involved in the process of governance at the club. So it's not just about reacting to things like catering, safety and so forth, but it's actually around the, the governance of the club. Uh, because of the way that fans were shut out of those conversations under the previous ownership. And, you know, from Loft's perspective, you know, supporters' trusts all around the country, the main reason they exist is to extend supporter involvement with the board of their football clubs and the well-being of those clubs. Um, and, you know, from our perspective, if there's at least one lesson to be learned from the recent past at Orient, it's that fans deserve to be engaged with and represented at the highest levels of, of their football clubs in a, in a structured way. Thanks, Jonathan. And, and, and finally, I guess, just to sort of wrap up, because I'm quite conscious that we've taken a, a fair bit of your sort of Sunday evening here. That's uh, quite all right, not a perhaps, problem. Perhaps you want to tell us, uh, you know, summarise uh, what, what Loft have been up to? Yeah, well, so um, obviously we've been working on this, as you know, but, but also one thing we've been... You know, making trying to make a lot of noise about, but also try to influence change is around the area of the governance of football in general, uh, because it's clearly broken. You know, you look at what's happening now at, at Bolton and Bury, uh, with two league, league One clubs starting the season on minus twelve points, and one of them hasn't even been able to play a game yet. And you look at the number of clubs that have been in crisis over the past few years, not just Leighton Orient in the past, and now thankfully is the past. But also you look at Blackpool, Coventry, Charlton, you know, and what's going on now with other clubs as well. It it feels like we're reaching a tipping point that a club is going to go out of business, and it might if one goes, it might be more than one. And I hope for the sake of Berry fans that it's not them, it's not Berry. But if it isn't them, you feel like it's going to be someone because. Frankly, it's a mess, and the EFL cannot be both a competition organiser and a regulatory body at the same time because it's, it can't represent its members and their members of the clubs and at the same time be the one that says whether those owners should or shouldn't be club owners. So there's, you know, there's clearly a conflict there. Mm. So what we've been uh, focusing a lot on, and, we're going to, and certainly going forward, is that we want to see real change in how football is governed. And we've been calling for an independent regulator for football clubs, given powers by the FA so that clubs can be protected as community assets, so that the clubs and fans aren't held to ransom by, by failed owners. Um, so we've what we've done so far is we put something forward to the new unified football body uh, called the Football Supporters Association, which uh, is a, was replaced, these um, Supporters Direct, 
and the Football Supporters Federation, they sort of merged together. So we put something to their first AGM, which was in the summer, basically calling on that new body to make it a top priority to press the FA for an independent regulator to oversee a licensing system uh, for all clubs, uh, which you, you know something that you see in other regulated industries, so that the EFL is no longer marking its homework, uh, marking its own homework. Yeah. Um, so we put a lot of work into that, getting in touch with lots of other trusts and fan groups to, to, to back us in this, and, and 33 of those you know agreed to put their name to um, what we put forward, the motion we put forward, which was passed with just a minor change around involving the FA, um, which is absolutely right, because the FA is the, the arbiter of football in this country. Um, I mean, it remains to be seen whether that, plus the crises at Bolton and Berry are enough to try and push things forward. My fear is that the EFL will just try and tinker with the, the owners and directors test, which I think we all know has, has failed. Um so we want to help you know, push things forward wherever we can because having having lived through a crisis at Orient, you know, I wouldn't wish that wish that on any other fan. Mm. And seeing seeing what Barry's fans are going through, and I know there's been lots of really heart wrenching videos on Twitter and things like that of Barry fans in, in, who are in pieces at the moment. Even now, when there's it looks like there might be light at the end of the tunnel, you know, they, they're not out of it yet um, because there's, there's such a short time scale for the new prospective new owners there to, to be able to complete the deal mm. um, so we are we are, we're standing ready to sort of try and push this forward if we can um, and whether that's through the FSA whether it's uh, joining in with others campaigning for government to legislate for change and actually put it into law that there has to be a new model so obviously we would we would love it if more of those fans backed us in this because of how badly Leighton Orient was let down by the FA and the EFL in the past. Um, and whether that's backing us by joining us as a member, which obviously I'd, I'd welcome as a loft board member, but even, you know, even if fans don't join us, if, if they can back us more in, in helping change the way EFL clubs are governed, because you know this, this mess can't go on and clubs have to be better protected as community assets. Yeah, absolutely. So we're, we're very open to hearing from you know, all always fans, not just not just our members, all Orient fans. If you want to get in touch with us about this, if you've got ideas on how things we can do or how clubs can be better governed, you know, this is something we want to. If it's something that comes, you know, good out of all of these clubs in crisis at the moment, it has to be that there is change and that there is real change. And it's run right clubs, clubs are run better, and we don't absolutely have any, and, you know, uh, casualty uh, circumstances. Uh, absolutely in, in football Jonathan thank you very much indeed really appreciate su uh, such a large update and it's good to see that uh, uh, that things are coming uh, coming to fruition for you guys and all your hard work is, uh, is, is out there for people to see much appreciated and uh, we'll, we'll catch up with you again later in the season indeed thanks for having me on it's pleasure. been a pleasure all the best take care bye now <laughs> cheers bye bye right. so that was Jonathan uh, from uh, from Loft giving us uh, quite an extensive and substantial update uh, uh, there. Dave, they're, they're obviously quite busy uh, down there. It's uh, it's always good to hear from different uh, sections of the Orient uh, Orient community. It is, and uh, I think you made a very important point that the club is so transparent. The communication with the club is is excellent. Um, 
and uh, you know they're, they're meeting what they said they would do in terms of um, that representation with supporters. So it, it, it's excellent. It's, we have come so far since Haven't the 2nd of June 17. Haven't we just? So, conscious of the time here, so we're going to fast forward now. This is now Friday the 23rd of August. Nothing happened. No news to report there. Saturday the 24th of August. Happy birthday to Ruel Satoriu. Um, can't remember how old he was, but... He turned, he got a year older. And then the main event was Crawley at home, Dave. Dean Brewer uh, in goal, Ling Ekpeteta, Coulson Brophy, uh, with Clay, JMD, Wright and Dennis, with Wilkinson and Ango up top, Sergeant Gorman, Judd, Happy, Harold, Marsh and Alabi were our substitutes. I, I'm so used to only reading five out that uh, reading seven throws me. Uh, Joe Widdison missed out with a rib injury and Louis Dennis got his first start for us. An interesting lineup for me. Looks like a good side, capable of getting uh, a result. And the change of formation sees Happy missing out. Yes, I mean, there was competition for places. Uh, I alluded to, Ross, that it was going to be difficult after what happened at uh, Mansfield to to make the decisions that he did. I think um, the starting 11 was probably the right one, and they started very well. Yeah, absolutely. Les LK said, very attacking. Hope we're not exposed on the counter. And Orient Sphincter said, love it. 4-4-2, very attacking. So... Again, people liking the four four two, but going back. Was it four four two? Yeah, I think so. With because um, you had Ling Ekpeteta, Coulson, and Brophy, who was the left back, and then Clay, JMD, Wright, and Dennis, mm-hmm. and then Wilkinson Angle. It lends itself to be a four four two, but maybe there was a four two three one in there. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. Four one. It gets very complicated, doesn't it? Yeah. Matt. 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 Matt uh, uh, always sort of goes into far more detail around the formation than myself. But yeah, uh, yeah it, was a, it was a positive formation. Fifth minute then, we started brightly uh, with Jordan Maguire, Drew testing, XO, Glenn Morris. A couple of XOs in the Crawley team with obviously Ollie Palmer. I think and, six and in the squad in total. Was it really? Um, yeah, and I thought Glenn Morris had an excellent game. I mean, Ollie Palmer was taking all the plaudits, but you know, we came up against a, a very good goalkeeper. Yeah, it had to be, didn't he? Uh, in form against his old club. Um, Jordan Maguire, Drew tested Glenn Morris with a stinging shot, having been played in by Louis Dennis, and Angle headed wide from the corner. Two more chances in quick succession. Um, Firstly, uh, with 10 minutes on the clock, Dennis's shot was blocked and five minutes later, Lee Angle uh, was unfortunately denied. But in the 22nd minute, Josh Wright put us ahead with a superb strike, picked up a loose ball, cut inside at the edge of the box and rifled his effort into the top right-hand corner. Great goal. Showed a lot of composure, didn't he? Because uh, he took his time, he waited for things to open up in front of him, and it was an excellent strike. It was, it was. And often you see them go into the back of the crowd, don't you? So yeah, Especially at Brisbane. Cracker, yes, particularly at Brisbane. (laughs) Against the run of play, though, Crawley equalised on the half-hour mark. We couldn't clear the ball. Um, and Crawley, Crawley Town's Nathan Ferguson poked home again. It pinged around the box a little bit too long. I and thought there was a lot of time that you know that, that nobody seemed to want to make a tackle. Yeah, and there yeah. were a few occasions when players were allowed to go towards the penalty area without a proper challenge. Yeah, and I think defenders that's probably one of them. I don't think we did. Absolutely. Um, I thought that was quite a poor goal for us to concede. Uh, defenders didn't clear the ball at all and seemed to allow it to be in yeah. the box longer than yeah. it should have been. Yeah, absolutely. Sam Ling went down a minute later uh, but was una- and was unable to continue. Broke his nose. And I don't understand why the referee didn't stop the game. It's a head injury, isn't it? It should yeah. have stopped immediately. Yeah. Three he min- clearly was groggy, wasn't he? It wasn't just a... Yeah. Yeah, um, three minutes later he was replaced by Miles Judd. But yeah, absolutely, for a head injury, straight away should have been... 
should have been stopped. Wilkinson went close with a header on the stroke of half-time. Some excellent work from Brophy on the left wing. Saw him beat a man. Uh, but the ref brought the half to a close soon after we went in. Even Stevens as it was, one all at half-time. Um, 4,905 fans inside Brisbane Road with 424 of them being away. Pretty decent turnout for them. It is, you know, bank holiday. It's, it's, it's not a bank holiday. Yeah, I've seen them turn up with about half of that yeah. once. And they made yeah. a lot of noise, didn't they? Did they? Yeah, OK. I, I couldn't be at the game, so... Um, yeah, I was just coming back from holiday, but um, I'll take your word for that. No changes at half-time, and we'll fast-forward to the 54th minute as we um, took the lead. Angle dispatched the penalty following a foul on the box on Jordan Maguire-Drew. How did you see that? Um, well, I think it was a Stonewall. penalty, and yeah. uh, I think everybody was a little surprised that um, it was Leon Gold, because there's a few people that could step up, including Josh White, but he took it very well, and uh, again, it just shows that there is some, some choices to be made, and positive choices, you know, it's what you would want. Yeah, absolutely. There's a few that could step up yes. and take that penalty. He absolutely. took it very well indeed. He did, yeah. And it's important for him to get those goals up. You know, as a striker, you want to look at how many goals you scored. He's and when you right. reflect at Christmas, you see that you've got at he's, least into double digits he's you'd doing like to. Right, yeah, he's, he, he, is, he is. Yeah, he absolutely. Is. No complaints from me. Crawley equalised, unfortunately, in the 69th minute through XO Oli Palmer, and tra- tragedy stuck. Uh, further, two minutes later, as he again, Oli Palmer again scored to put Crawley three to up. Now he's a big physical goal, presence, isn't he? You know, he, 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 we remember, you know what you got with Oli. He'll, he'll chase anything and he'll, he'll, he'll work, work really hard. And when he yeah. came off the bench, you think well, this really is going to be a, a wake-up call. But he didn't use his physicality for the second goal because he no. just seemed to ghost in, and we switched off and allowed him to tap in. Yeah. So. Um, we were at quite a bit of a loss there then. Um, we need to clear the box and the ball quicker. That yeah. We're not dealing with things enough. And I think, it, like you pick up on your, what you said earlier, there is that probable, that sense of, I don't want to touch it because if I touch the player and the ball, yeah. there you go, down, I've conceded a penalty. And we've got to get back quicker from, you know, when we've lost possession, we've got to get back quicker yeah. because the pace is quicker at this division. There's also more variety from set pieces such as corners. I don't, I think it's not a coincidence that we're having more difficulties dealing with some of the corners than we did last season because the quality into the box and the variety into the box is better than it was in the National League, which is what you expect. That's why we enjoy the Football League. Yeah, precisely, exactly. Um, I thought we switched off actually for a couple of them, particularly the one where Ollie, the second one where Ollie's ghosted in. But anyway, Jordan Maguire Drew was replaced by James Alabi uh, in the 73rd minutes, and five minutes later, Craig Clay replaced by is replaced by Dale Gorman, and Gorman uh, was booked for leaving his foot in on Glenn Morris in the 83rd minute. I don't like to see that from from our players at all. Louis Dennis tested Morris again in the 90th minute with a shot, but Morris was equal to it, and four minutes of additional time are added on. In and there were a couple of occasions in that additional time when late Norwegian players were sort of getting involved in silly things. And you think, goodness me. Now, this is, we're not um, defending uh, an advantage here. We need to focus on getting um, the equaliser, and we weren't. Yeah. Too many players were sort of... seen that on many occasions, yeah. actually, yeah. Uh, where you think we're chasing a game and actually you're worried about a little niggle yeah, here and a niggle there. Oh, and a... Absolutely. Four minutes of stoppage time and you're worried about little niggles yeah. and things and little flare-ups. Um, and I'm sure, you know, we, again, we're playing professionals and they will be on our backs. You know, they will be deliberately upsetting our players and you've got to walk away. You know, you've got to grow up, play proper football and just in those... Um, 
additional four minutes. Just focus on the equaliser. Don't focus on the fact that this fella's really getting up to you because yeah. he's doing that deliberately. Yeah. We've got it's to go up into the football sure. league. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's a learning curve for a lot it of people. It is, for everybody. Yeah. Enjoying yeah. it. Yeah, absolutely. Louis Dennis was at it again in the fourth, uh, in the second minute of additional time, but Morris was equal to it and tipped the ball over. And the referee, unfortunately, brought the game to an end and we suffered a 3-2 home defeat and the curse of the former player striking yet again. Yes. We very kindly got your um, post-match interview with Ross, so uh, hopefully there will be none of this club call uh, type uh, shenanigans again. There's so been a few technical difficulties this season, most season, but you're doing very well. Here. What we didn't cover actually, just before we play Ross, was the technical difficulties that are coming. Uh, all I can do is apologise. Uh, I understand that um, there's been difficulties with the um, the website and such like, and uh, certainly from a late night perspective, um, Elliot has worked incredibly hard to, to get things right. He was working unbelievably hard on Tuesday night. It, it is so um, frustrating. All we can do is apologise to all concerned but it seemed to work on Saturday great so here is Ross Embleton now uh, post um, post Crawley well Ross thanks for joining us the new formation seemed to give plenty of attacking options but were there problems at the back as a result there were problems at the back not because of the formation uh, there were problems at the back today because I didn't think we defended our box well enough and I don't think it depends if you have a back five, a back three, a back four. Um, individually, sometimes you have to make decisions and, and defend appropriately, and I don't think we did that today. So I think the fact that there was a, you know, the formation didn't have a, a true reflect, you know, a great reflection on on the goals that we let in. It was poor moments in the game from us that, that allowed allowed uh, Crawley to, to get three goals. Is that because your defenders are learning about life in a higher division, and as a result, they just don't get away with the mistakes that they were making? I think defensively, as a team, we find out what the league is about um, but I've just said to the lads in there that it, there has to come a point when you do learn from your mistakes and that you correct them and you you know develop a, a ruthlessness in, front, in, in in our own box that's gonna you know just gonna help us so we keep, kept a couple of clean sheets already but it's gonna help us to be more um, you know more, more of a challenge uh, in, in, in games like today when you know when we don't kill quite kill teams off in the manner that we hope to because obviously you have to defend as a team and there were occasions when that didn't seem to be happening um, no I, th I think well I think it's the three goals day I mean there was a huge amount of opportunities created by them. I can't remember a particular amount of saves that Dino's had to make in comparison to Glenn Morris. So um, it was more those individual moments. I think the first goal and the second goal, we have um, a bit of misfortune on the second one when it hits Josh that's sort of out of nowhere. And we have four chances to clear it. The, the, the first one, I think Joby's just said in there that we had sort of five or six chances to, to clear it or block it or, you know, make something make something better than, than conceded a goal and then obviously with the uh, with the third one the striker gets in at the far post when when, when, he, sh when he should be tracked and, and marked appropriately so it's very frustrating to concede goals like that and after the penalties conceded on Tuesday night were players a bit wary about making tackles in the penalty area I don't know. I'd have to ask them that. I don't think so. Well, I'd like to. I'd like to think not. Um, it, it's, it's sometimes it's about just being a, you know, being a bit more aggressive and and forcing someone, you know, forcing someone wide if you can't sort of put your foot, foot for it and, and, and clear it. So I don't think it's necessarily off the off the back of the of the penalties because the scenarios that the penalties were, were won in on Tuesday night were very different to the manner in which we conceded the goals today. So just very disappointed that we've. Um, 
we, we've dominated a game as such, but given given three goals away. And that disappointment all the more because it was such a bright start. Yeah, I thought it was a bright start. I thought there was bright moments in, in both halves, albeit we probably never really hit our heights in the second half. We still created a numerous amount of opportunities, a good good strikes at goal. You know, I thought we was a little bit more sort of positive around the box, which led to obviously a you know, particular goal by, by Josh Wright today. Um, so I don't, I don't think that was particularly our problem, if I'm honest. When you score two goals at home, you, you shouldn't be losing a game of football like that. Josh Wright, he took his first goal very well indeed. Many people expect him to take the penalty as well. Yeah, um, there's a number of players in our in our team that are um, perceived as penalty takers. Um, you know, Jordan Maguire drew took a couple in, in pre-season. Uh, Lee's obviously been on penalties in the past. I know Josh certainly has as well. So I think it's been one of those that's sort of been up for a, up for debate to see what happens when we get one. Lee was named on the sheet as as being the taker, um, but we've got a number of people I think that are capable of stepping up. Sam Ling's had an excellent start to the season. Was it a significant injury? Uh, whack, real severe whack on the nose hoping it's not broken Dave and I think to pick up on that um, that point Sam Ling has been outstanding this season um, he got some unfair criticism last year after being a player that um, put his neck on the line for the club put his body on the line for the club because he suffered with a numerous amounts of injuries last year and, and when called upon played with, played with injuries and I don't think he gets enough credit I think sometimes that's probably because of who his dad is why that credit doesn't go to him just because his dad works at the football club I think he's, um, he's totally unfair I was, I was made aware this morning I think um, we might have some more technical difficulties uh, well, here Paul uh, well, I was made aware this morning of some real strong criticism that was made of him last night by a, particularly, a particular ex-player at this football club. And I think the one thing we have to be careful of is we talked about managing, uh, about learning from mis- mistakes. And I haven't seen Sam Ling make particularly many this year. So I'm glad you mentioned him because I think he's been, been outstanding. He's come back in great physical shape, which we asked him to do at the end of last season. And I think his performances have been good. So I think we, you know, we, we just need to be careful sometimes of how critical we can be of players. It's been such a hectic start to this campaign. Injuries beginning to add up, aren't they? Yeah, a little bit. I've, uh, Sam's one little bit similar to uh, to Joe Widdison's, really. Very unfortunate that Joe looks like he'd sort of run into a bus on, on Tuesday night. Really unfortunate one where uh, him and the, the opposition player ran into each other and Joe suffered with severely bad ribs. Um, it was it was, it was was affecting his breathing still um, today. And, and you know, every time he's twisting and turning, he's suffering with pain. So we couldn't put him out there, which is really unfortunate. And like I say, Sam, Sam sort of turned into someone today and got, got a whack on the nose. So really unfortunate fortunate injury. Salford next? Yeah, obviously something we look forward to um, you know, because of, the, because of the, the history and the background of the two clubs. Um, it's going to be a, you know, going to be an interesting and a, and a tough challenge like they are week in, week out. But um, we've got a good week now, you know, a chance to breathe. We haven't got a midweek fixture, so it gives us a chance to sort of settle everyone down. We haven't got, to, got any travelling. We haven't got to get on the road. We can, um, we can get ourselves working fully so that we're, uh, you know, we're ready to go into a game and, and hopefully build on some of the positives that there was today. I thought there was some. I thought, I thought, I thought we, uh, it, the performance on the whole was, uh, was, was of a good, good standard, but it's those individual and those critical moments. Like that happens in any any level that you step up. I went to Aston Villa last night and watched their game, and those players, are, you know, at full throttle, trying to trying to survive at the next level that they've been promoted to, and that's something that you have to come to grips with every time you step up as a group. It's not about the individuals; it's about collectively us making sure that we don't make mistakes that lead to the goals that we've conceded. And George Marsh, the situation there is still to make an appearance. Yeah, of course. I think it's um, like I said all along. George is, you know, just 
got to show a little bit of patience. Today the changes sort of came when we were starting to look to, to, to chase the game and, and obviously pick up, try to get back in it. So I didn't feel that was a, a particular change that, that we needed to make. Like I've said all along, we've got a very good squad here. George has made our squad stronger. Um, Dal Gorman had a good pre-season, so it's now a case of everybody trying to step a, step ahead of, of the person in front of them. You know, Dal Gorman, George Marsh will be looking, I'm sure, to try to dislodge the midfield players that have got the shirt or got the position in the team at the moment. So that's something that we'll continue to assess, and I'm sure when the time comes, George will show what he's capable of. Nearly 5,000 at the Braggart Stadium, Brisbane Road, and they stayed with the team, didn't they? Yeah, they did. I think it was um, there was obviously plenty of moments today where I felt, you know, I've said to you before, my my feeling is that the team and the players have to ignite the crowd wherever you are, home and away. And I thought today we, uh, you know, created a lot of opportunities. We had, you know, numerous amounts of shots at the goal, and I, it took, I think, the time. It didn't sort of quite get going as as much as we we, we felt that it, it would do. But it's nice to know that the crowd are going to, you know, sticking with us. There wasn't too much negativity. I didn't particularly sense any towards the end there. It's, um, you know, a frustrating day for them. But like I say, I've, I've, on the whole today, the performance I thought was okay, but very frustrated at the fact that we've, you know, we've let ourselves down more than anything else. Thanks, Ross. Thanks. Thank you. Straight talker, isn't he, Ross? He is, yes, and he's uh, very open and, um, yeah, he's, he's a very good communicator. And honest as well. He you is. can tell that there's that honest. He's not trying to hide he anything. He really cares about the club, Yeah, he? 100%. Gives it his all. Yeah, so that... Loss sees us drop four places to 13th, having now played five, one, two, drawn one, lost two. We've got a minus two goal difference and seven points on the board sees us in the League Two standings, but nothing to really read into that. Uh, as yet, my views on this, a tough result to have taken the lead and then lost a complete reverse of the situation we were in Tuesday night, and it's a shame. It's still very early days, so I'm not quite sure why some fans are being so harsh on the team. In our first three games, we weren't scoring goals, but in our last two games, we've scored five, so a positive uh, turnaround. Uh, just need to tighten up defensively as a team, and I think we'll be fine. I have full faith in Ross, Danny and Joby. Yes, and uh, I'm sure, certain that the director of football, Martin Ling, will be taking a broader view. I think he looks at sort of matches in groups of six or seven or eight, doesn't he? And, yes. Uh, you know, it, it is very early on. We look at where we are, ten league games into the campaign, see yeah. how we're getting on. But it, I think, again, in context, I don't want to repeat myself, I think under the circumstances, we're doing it's pretty, remarkable. pretty good, yeah, absolutely. So, again, after this, we had an awful lot of views, some highly critical, some... Um, I feel slightly unfair but um, here's a selection of some uh, that came into us and just again because we're reading them it does not mean that we agree with them uh, at Boats he uh, tweeted in saying gutted to lose that game a game we should be seeing out at 2-1 we need to learn how to defend our box better and stop ex-Orient strikers scoring David Barrett 6 said very disappointing their two second half goals came down our left hand side as they continued to expose Brophy at left back I said at half-time that I would have taken off JMD, put Brophy there, and happy as left-back. Uh, as, it, as it was, we collapsed. Ron Sampson, 15, said, If we can't defend better than that, it will be a long, hard season, that's for sure. We dominated the game, but we lost, which is ridiculous. Also, putting Alabi on was ridiculous. We all know he isn't League 2 quality. He isn't even National League quality. We, were without, we were without our first... Uh, choices for both full-backs, weren't we? Joe Widdison, it's a rib injury that he picked up at yeah. uh, Mansfield, and of course we lost um, Sam Ling early on. So that's kind of unsettled the defence. Absolutely. Leighton's finest, 73, said, should have had the game buried in the first half. We need to be more ruthless and take our chances. Reedy QB9 tweeted in saying, third time this season we've conceded two within three or four minutes. 
bossed the game till 2-3 and never really ga- uh, came close after that, which is what you said about them, sort of the niggly problem, yeah. not really focusing on getting get back in the, the game. The game management from Crawley was very good. Interesting. Speno011 said, uh, the, uh, if the defence concedes three goals in any game, we tend to lose. Not the right unit, not the tight unit we're used to. Attacking-wise, very good. Two goals at home should get you a win. Sadly, the old Orient reappearing. I really dislike Crawley. That's his words, not mine. Um, kid Sampson O said, we beat ourselves because Crawley certainly weren't good enough to do it. Not sure why we've brought the kid from Tottenham in. Obviously not interested in playing someone in midfield who can tackle. Don't think you'll ever see a worse collection of goals conceded. John W999 said, I think we'll struggle defensively if our best defender, Happy, isn't on the pitch. Unfortunately, Marvin got roughed up and couldn't cope with Palmer. Good for 65 minutes, but fell apart defensively, worryingly easy. Easily. David Matt Lloyd said, last week was a lesson in taking your chances. Today is a lesson in game management. We didn't manage the game second half. Crawley did. Simple as that. All the learning process, but we need to be winning at home, at home against teams like Crawley, with all due respect. And you don't know what happens on the training ground, but we do know uh, that in the closing stages of the Stevenage game that Dan Happy received treatment on the pitch, and uh, I don't know how fit he is or not. I mean, I really don't know him, but uh, uh, there will be reasons for the selection that, that, that was made there. Taser Jr. said, Wilkinson seems to run and jump for the ball and then duck out of it. Brophy really isn't a left-back at all. And if we're going to play a four, I think a lot of work on the training ground is needed. Still, two goals and plenty of chances. Chris Kane, 1992, said, going forward, we're very good. Dennis, JMD and Brophy could be frightening playing together. However, slightly frail at the back, which does need addressing. I'm confident that it's under control and there will be recruitment and improvement. We aren't far off at all. But I think that's slightly... um, Misplaced in the sense of what you, in the context of what you said about losing Sam and Joe, you're right. It's going to unbalance it. And James Brophy isn't a left back; he's left footed that can, that, that that was doing a job, you know, to help the team out really. And if you are going to play, that's possibly one of the reasons you play three centre uh, backs if you've got James Brophy yeah. as a left back. If you're playing with just the two centre backs. Uh, James is going to be even more exposed in that position, isn't he? Yeah, absolutely. Steve LOFC said the attempts at tackling for their goals were somewhat embarrassing. We're miles better than that. Many uh, missing too many good chances ain't going to help either. Uh, Paul Stokes underscore sorry Paul underscore Stokes thirty nine said got to cut out the silly mistakes. Absolutely must sign a goal scorer before the transfer deadline. <laughs> even if it's a kid on loan from the Prem not quite sure I agree with that worrying that some players seem to go missing way too often uh, we could do with a proper fullback cover for Joe Widdison which is what you mentioned earlier um, and Brophy uh, wasted at left back not sure about wasted but um, he's, he's not, it's not even he's not his preferred position that, yeah. that, that's um, for sure it, I mean it, it is uh, going to be very tricky I thought that, um, particularly in the second half, Crawley were winning second balls in midfield. And that, again, was a concern. It's about defending as a team. Yeah, absolutely. Matty LOFC Evans comes up with a little bit of a uh, calming influence here. No need for a meltdown from everyone. While conceding two quick goals to an ex-player is disappointing, especially as it cost us the game, we've made a good start to the season. We were never expected or going to walk this league, so some perspective is needed. On to the next one. Just have to look at what Scunthorpe United relegated from last year. You know, it's and they're struggling. It is a really competitive division this one. Yeah, because they're bottom. Uh, yeah. Second bottom. Yeah, yeah, bottom of the league. Um, 
George Nicholas One said, it's a team that is a work in progress. I'm as frustrated as anyone today, but we can't expect too much just yet. I think we're lacking experience. We get sucked in off the ball too much at times. Chin up, lads. Enough positives to build on so far. A couple of loans be great. Uh, Orient underscore Viking said, surprised and disappointed. Happy was dropped. He's been our best defender and Marva's looked the weakest of the three centre-backs so far. Maybe he has a small niggle, but bad call if not. Um, Dave M one eight one two said four at the back when Widdison is out, uh, not when Widdison is out we should we should have won but not if we defend like that sort the defence out and we'll be okay Wilkinson and Angle are beginning to look uh, are beginning to gel and Dennis looked class until he tired no panic yet on to Salford I don't think it was just that he uh, tired Dennis I think we mentioned it earlier that Sam Ling had an excellent understanding and was supporting uh, Dennis wasn't he. Yes, as as you say, I think that uh, there's only so much that you can yeah. you can do before things uh, outside of your control uh, take effect. Gary Talbot seven said, "Good teams have cover in every position. We have three right backs and one left back who was out today." I said to my son pre-season, "This is a massive problem that will leak points if not addressed." And unfortunately, I'm being proved right. No, no, yeah, although Jaden Sweetney, he's a good player. Yeah, I mean, there's no, you know, he's a young player, but the games that he played, that, that left back, he looks to business. So uh, I think there He's is quite quick, there. isn't he? Yes, the, I mean the difficulty that Ross had was to try, and you could see why he would want Bofi in that team. You'd have an experienced left-footed player over yeah, a young. You could see, and it was so close. They yeah. were so close to result on Saturday. You know, it, we are talking fine margins. Margins, yeah, fractions of inches. The final word this week though goes to Willow Gaffer, who said, "Not the result we wanted. The last two goals were poor to concede. Thought we played some great stuff." Front three will be a real handful given a good run of things and are a better proposition than what we had last season, in my opinion. Dust ourselves down and move on to the next game. Keep the 4-3-3. There you go. Do you agree or disagree with any of the tweaks that we've read out in this week's podcast? Let us know what you think by tweeting us at Orient Outlook or email us orientoutlook at outlook.com. So that covers uh, yesterday's game at Crawley. Unsurprisingly, there were no correct predictions, so the standings are as follows. On six points, we've got Ozfan Basing and Vlatas underscore C. Five points is George Gerks and four points, Alan Reeves to CM Oriental and a number of, a lot of people with, with three points. So moving on then to today, Sunday the 25th of August. Happy 18th birthday to young Shadrach Oji. Hope you've had a good weekend uh, celebrating your 18th birthday. Uh, XO Sean Bat, aka Batman to us, uh, announced on his social media accounts that due to an ongoing injury, um, he is retiring from football. And we give you our best wishes in your retirement. I know you don't listen to the podcast. Uh, best wishes on your retirement and for the future, Sean. You gave us uh, some good memories at Orient when you played for us. No doubt he's a DJ career will take off. A hundred percent, I'm sure it will. I'm <laughs> sure it now he's got more time to spend on it. Um, ladies, uh, match report. The ladies were in FANWL Cup action against Cambridge United at the Mile End Stadium today. Um, and uh, they uh, progressed to the next round of the National League Cup after Fantastic. edging out Cambridge United 4 3. Sounds like a good game. <clears throat> Absolutely. It was a thrilling game at the Mile End Stadium. O's thought we'd, uh, that a wonder strike from Michelle Young and a brace from Otesha Charles had done enough to earn them the win in the 90 minutes, but their hearts were broken deep into added time when Cambridge levelled. However, that didn't deter Chris Brayford's side, and they managed to find a winner late on in extra time when Ellie Stenning headed home from a corner. So a huge congratulations to the Orient ladies. 
look forward to seeing who they get in the next round of the cup and bringing you more good news. Nice little cup run for the ladies would be great. Yes, good, absolutely. So, fancy football update. Obviously, teams played today. I haven't entered a team this this uh, this season. Um, so, for Dream Team and Fancy Football, we'll bring you an update uh, next week. So, moving on then to the positives and negatives. Um, three positives uh, for you this week. Tuesday's away result, obviously a turnaround there, absolutely uh, amazing. Five goals that we've scored in two games and linked to that, our two new strikers have now got off the mark, which is obviously very pleasing. It's obviously that duck that they want to get off their back as, as, as quickly as possible. Negatives this week, obviously being ahead and then losing uh, like we did yesterday is obviously uh, very disappointing. Obviously injuries that we've got, we still haven't seen Joby back, Jamie Turley back. Um, Sam Ling's now um, got a broken nose, as you said, so he's not going to be back particularly quickly, I wouldn't imagine, unless they can put him in a mask. And the extent of Joe Widdison's uh, injury, yet, as, as yet unknown, I've probably missed somebody out. Oh, James Dayton uh, is obviously making pr- good progress coming back as well. And Joby. <clears throat> yeah, Joby. Uh, yeah. Joby McEnough, so yeah. Uh, and the defensive lapses are, are costing us as well. So um, some negatives there. Now, moving on to a huge positive. We always do Hero of the Week at this point. So this week, our Hero of the Week is... Liango. We're going to give it to Liango for his two goals that he scored this week. Can also say well done to Dean Smith for his uh, first Premier League win. Very good. Uh, and uh, I don't know about you, but I, I, I am suddenly becoming an Aston, Aston Villa fan. fan. Me Isn't too. it great to see him doing well? It is. It is fantastic. Absolutely fantastic. And Ross went. Ross went to that game. Yes. Because uh, I saw his picture on, on yes. social media and he said what an amazing atmosphere. Yeah. And I remember when we went to Aston Villa in the Cup and it's a typical old school ground, 40,000 people, a lot of noise, and it was a great, it was a good experience from a fan perspective. Yeah. Uh, but isn't it, isn't it fantastic <laughs> to see somebody like Dean, Dean really succeed at the top? 100%. Level, a local boy doing good, so and one of us, one yeah. of, you know, an XO doing good. Exactly. Absolutely agree with you. Good, good point. So next week's fixtures. Next week, we've got the one fixtures. We face a trip up north to Moneybag Salford City on Saturday. The 31st of August in what some fans see as a rival game after last season's events. Salford are currently 15th in the league with six points. They earned a two-all draw with Carlisle on Saturday. So that is it for this week. Thanks for joining us for episode number 119. What's been a week of two contrasting games in which we've come from behind to win at one of this league's fancied teams. The reverse happened four days later as we took the lead and ended up losing. There's still lots of positives to take, and keep in mind we're only five games in. There's still so much football to play. And a reminder, don't forget, for best for the best plastering and rendering prices around, visit AJF Plastering on Facebook or at Big Ads LOFC on Twitter for all your plastering and rendering needs. We'll be back with episode number 191 next week with all the information and views that you could ever need. And if you're listening on iTunes, please subscribe. Uh, we know that uh, a lot of people do listen to us uh, on uh, on that uh, platform. Uh, we have uh, a number of um, uh, we have a number of uh, uh, reviews on that, but but certainly not enough. And we'd really appreciate a few more. We're also now on Spotify, so listening to us has got even easier. Your smart speakers, if you've got an Alexa or a, a Google, whatever it is, uh, I tell how technical I am, Dave. Um, <laughs> 
you just say play or an Outlook podcast and, and, and it will obey. Yeah. Also, likewise, if you've got someone who isn't familiar with the podcast, an older relative or, or a friend or a loved one um, who you think might be interested in understanding what's going Mrs. on Victor. at the O's. <laughs> <laughs> Mrs. Levy, but she's not interested in the podcast. Grab their phone, help them download it for them, do something. <laughs> Um, also, finally, uh, we've we've still got a couple of mugs left. If you want one, there are five or each with a couple of quid for postage uh, as well. Uh, and we're also doing uh, some sponsoring. So we've got sponsorship uh, opportunity for our social media accounts and also sponsorship of the um, Prediction League as well. So if you've got something to promote or if you're a company uh, and you're looking to uh, broaden your reach amongst several thousand Orient fans who listen every every month, um, please get in touch with us. So that is it from us this week. A bit of a bumper one for you, um, but we think that uh, it's well worth the time that you've invested. So thank you very much indeed for listening. Dave, thank you for joining me. It's a pleasure. Thanks for giving up your Sunday evening and for your fantastic insight and, and your stats as well. Um, really appreciate it, and we'll see you, uh, see you again soon. So this week, we're going to play you out with a bit of an old classic and uh, up the O's. Don't worry, be happy. If I can play it. song I wrote, you might want to sing it note for note, don't worry, be happy, in every life we have some trouble, but when you worry